what's going on y'all welcome to my channel this is nicole coco patrice um once again thanks for joining me thanks for subscribing if you haven't already please do hit the notification bell share the channel page videos whatever with your friends family people you hate i don't care as long as they watch um <laughs> So today, um, we're just doing a little vlog. I was going to do this live, but I'm, I'm punking out again. Oh my God, I'm punking out again. I don't know. Because like, who's watching my life? Like, I need to know who these people are. <laughs> not like I know who it is when it's not alive, like that part. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so, um, today we're just going to talk about, um, what's been going on with me. So let's get into it. So I started school again. Um, so if, for those of you who don't know me well, um, which is probably most of you, <laughs> because it's none of your business. Um, <laughs> I am, um, I returned to school just because I, you know, I got pregnant pretty young, um, had a pretty unstable, like, uh, time, you know, growing up. And then once I got pregnant, I mean, things didn't get more stable. Cause like people didn't want to step up to what they were supposed to be doing. I'm not going to name no names. Um, and so, you know, I had to do a lot of the things, um, you know, by myself. So there's that. And so, I spent a lot of time, um, you know, working and not able to finish school. And so now that my children are older um, and I was able to reprioritize some things, um, I returned to school and I'm um, studying criminology right now. So it's, you know, it's fun. It's right up my lane. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm chilling. So in light of that, um, you know, it's just been different. Uh, and I've just been having to use my time accordingly. Um, but yeah, so I haven't had time to like do like weekly videos and commentary. And I, in a way I wanted to try to try to like, not necessarily get away from like the celebrity news and gossip and things, hot topics, but like to offer something a little more substantive, substantive, ooh substantive <laughs> and so uh yeah I mean there's a lot of stuff going on in the world there's a lot of um you know you know issues locally uh that I'd like to address one of them especially being um kind of the rift between the black community and the latin community and even like the um you know, second generation, uh, Latin community, uh, and the, uh, you know, new, newly arrived, new arrivals from, you know, uh, Venezuela and Haiti and wherever, um, there's, there's a lot of tension. So if you haven't known, noticed, um, if you're in Chicago, there has been a lot of attention on, uh, relocated migrants. Um, so a lot of those migrants that were being, um, detained in Texas, uh, have been re, um, routed, okay. Via buses and such, uh, to Chicago, 
and you know many cities across the United States. In particular, uh, they seem to be shipping them to a lot of um, liberal, more blue leaning cities, uh, and then like places that have black mayors uh, has seemingly been where this has gotten the most attention. Um, we all know Lori Lightfoot was the mayor of Chicago until recently. And now Brandon Johnson, who is also black, um, is the current mayor. Um, and he's dealing with a lot of those relocations um, from a lot of the, the migrants that are being bused here. Um, so a lot of the tension seems to be surrounding the idea uh, and you know, so I'm, I'm seeing tension from, so I can only speak on what I know. And what I do know is that I am a, you know, black woman in Chicago on the South side of Chicago who has lived here her whole life, who also works in proximity with some social services and has had some contact with some of the recent arrivals from, um, out of the country, okay, that are seeking political asylum. Um, and for those of you who don't understand what that means, because I feel like I do need to explain that because I've had to explain it to some people who should know it and are acting as if they know, but they, the way they're acting or the things they say make it very clear that they do not know and do not understand. So political asylum. Um, so I'm not really that well-versed in uh, immigration law. Um, or just immigration in general. Um, but from what I do uh, for my day job and, you know, uh, what I've read and, you know, the information that I've tried to, you know, gather on this is that there is a um, process that has been kind of um, publicized a little bit more um, and has given rise to a lot of these uh, immigrants from certain places who are doing so under a different type of immigration. Now, a lot of, so you, so, okay, so let's just try to make this easy here. So of course people travel, right. And they visit places, right. So you, usually when you go, like you go out of town, right. You go out of the country and you have a passport, right. From your home country. And that is giving you permission to enter another country as a citizen of another country. And then you normally have to have a visa uh, for uh, to legitimize your visit, right? So it's like, yeah, your passport is kind of like your ID from the other country saying, this is who I am and I'm from here and I'm cool, y'all, because like this is who I really am. Like I'm not on some BS. And then the visa is kind of like monitoring like why you're here, how long you're going to be here, you know, and it dictates that, right? So when you travel abroad, usually you get a, a travel visa, right? So you're there just to visit. It's going to be, you know, under 30 days usually is like the stipulation. Um, and you're going to not, you know, cause any trouble here. And then you're going to leave or get a visa extension for whatever the reason is that you have to stay longer than the set amount of time, you know, that was uh, set at the beginning of your trip, right? 
So when people migrate from other countries, so I'm going to just focus on like Venezuela because that's where a lot of the immigration is come from. So now like, I don't know, I, I kind of know a little bit about like the political climate there, but not wholly, but I know there's been a lot of interruption of like their own governance by, you know, the U S and, oil industry and, you know, different powers that be that, you know, they, they, that's what they do. They go around, they cause turmoil in these different countries and then they go, Oh, we don't know what's wrong with them. And so that's where we are with it. So there's a lot of violence. There's a lot of persecution, political persecution. I don't know if, um, you know, the, uh, uh, gender and sexual orientations and revolutions are playing into this, but that that happens as well, you know, where people are being persecuted because of their sexual preferences or their gender or whatever. So either way, we have a lot, we have an influx of a lot of Venezuelan immigrants who are seeking political asylum. And so what that means is that they've come here and they don't have a visa. They're not going the normal process of getting a visa or just coming over undocumented, right? Where they sneak across the border and they just, you know, find a way in and they just kind of get lost into the crowd and uh you know they're just living here right so that happens a lot with like us let's say the daca um the people that are under daca like their parents um typically were the ones who came over undocumented and may have faced deportation once you know they were working or somehow or another way that people caught up to them. Right. So, um, being that these folks are choosing another path, meaning that they're currently undocumented, but they are supposed to be. So however they're coming over now, this is where I, my details get murky. So if someone has any insight, please comment, let me know. Um, but from my understanding, it's like they're able to say, okay, I am fleeing political persecution. I have nothing. Like, I'm just coming here because it's not safe for me to go back. Please don't send me back. So to avoid being sent back on a bus or plane or whatever back to their home country, uh, they are allowed to stay in certain detention centers. Well, those detention centers are overrun. Uh, there's been a lot of issues with how those places are maintained. Um, so we saw the, the children at the border in these gates and, you know, in these uh, kind of like cells and on the ground and like unattended. You've seen how much like the, the assault, the sexual assault from like Border Patrol agents against some of these minors and children and women and God knows what else. Um, so there's been a lot of, you know, co uh, controversy around the border and how it's being handled. And I think Kamala Harris was supposed to be overseeing it. And I haven't heard her say a goddamn thing because clearly it's going awry. It's, it's not as easy as it's not as easy to fix as people thought. And a lot of those camps at the border were happening under Obama's watch as well. So it's like they, you know, everyone tried to blame it on Republican policies and on Trump, but it's like, okay, now that Biden's in office, what's changed, it's it seemingly has only gotten worse. So um uh I can't think of Abbott. Uh I wait, is that his name? Texas, the Texas governor Abbott. Let me just check that out real quick. Um, I think that's his name. 
Yeah, Greg Abbott. So Greg Abbott is the governor of Texas, and he's been the one who kind of kicked it off and started busing people. Uh, I want to say almost like a year, for sure, like two years ago. Like, no, I want to say it was like the, about this time last year is when it started. And so uh, since April 2022, Greg Abbott has been busing migrants to Democratic-led cities across the country, which he has said is intended to provide relief to Texas border communities. Abbott's critics have said he is using migrants as pawns to win political points. And it's pretty, so it's exactly what I said, Democratic-led cities. It's been pretty much targeting Chicago, New York, and like places where there are you know Democrats in charge so that they can make a point politically. Like, look, these Dems in their cities are trash. Um, you know, of course the crime's going to go up in certain situations. And that's what I wanted to talk about, um, is how this is affecting like our, the relationship between the black community and the Latin community and how, uh, you know, Latin residents, uh, you know, folks who've been here who maybe recently migrated or are documented or are second generation or here on a DACA, how I've seen some of those folks even criticize the migrants. Um, so I, I find it to be very disheartening, um, just the whole process. Honestly, because it's like, this is crazy that, you know, people are being shuffled about in a way that kind of dehumanizes them. Like it really just almost feels like, you know, they're treating them like parcels. Um, and it's very reflective of like our attitude towards, uh, native peoples and, uh, indigenous people and like how we did, you know, the natives here, uh, as far as, you know, the removal of Indians, um, uh, the trail of tears, all of that, like, right. So it's, it's the same energy to me. It's like, uh, these people don't deserve a place. Right. And so, or like Palestinians, how, you know, the, the Zionist movement has dislo you know, displaced Palestinians in Israel. So it's very sad that this is, you know, something that just continues to happen and there's no insight. Um, but it is very telling also the way that, People who were recently oppressed and still are in many ways have taken the time to have taken the time to hate another group for reasons that are not much different than what why someone hated them initially or still, you know, to this day. So like to for me to see black folks you know, on the South side of Chicago, in their neighborhood apps, in their citizen apps, on their Instagram, on their TikTok, wherever, on their Facebook. I don't really be on Facebook, but I'm sure it's happening there as well. Um, under news articles that relate to migrants, spewing their hate and their bigotry. It's just, it, it makes my stomach turn, honestly. Um, now, yes. It's sad that these people have been displaced and they're being put in abandoned schools, schools that, you know, remind us in the, how they were, you know, th having this happen reminds us of how these schools even got shut down and abandoned and, and, you know, vacant are vacant to begin with, you know, with all those closures that happened under, uh, I believe under Vallis, Paul Vallis, um, definitely under Rahm Emanuel. Um, there were so many school closures, right? And so this is why you have these empty schools, um, in order to house some of these migrants. Many of them are at police stations. I just drove by, uh, one of the police stations has tents 
these folks are just in tents just outside on the sidewalk in front of the police station. Like, so it's like the city is being littered with that population. And I don't mean to say it in a, in a, you know, to, to further emphasize the, the, the dehumanization. I mean it just in the idea that it is, it is like it, many people are looking at it as an eyesore. It is bringing down your property values. It is bringing down the safety in the neighborhood. It is slowing police response. Um, there's multiple factors that are, you know, playing into this and it's, you know, you do have to look at it in a very reasonable, um, non-reactive way, but the bigotry is where I'm just like, this is crazy. Like, so I've seen situations where people will post, you know, uh, there were a few videos captured of like apparently Latin males fighting black males and then they'll the caption will say these migrants are out of control you know these migrants are coming over here starting stuff i knew it'd be a matter of time they don't know how to act they don't respect us xyz right and i just don't like that because first of all when you're starting a video in the middle of two people fighting we don't know what started the fight we don't know why they fighting we don't know who started what right and then every video you see that someone is saying these are the migrants, how do you know they're migrants unless you follow them back to their home, unless you ask them for paperwork, all of the things that you probably should not be doing. <laughs> There's no way for you to know unless the person was like, and I am a migrant. And then like, you know, <laughs> assaulted somebody. <laughs> this is for the migrant race. You know, unless that happened, like, you can't be like, yo, these are the migrants and they acted up. Like, how do you know? So I think that people need to slow down with that. Um, and then just the idea that um, so many problems that we're trying to place onto this influx of migrants were actually problems to begin with. <laughs> like I've seen people say there's a rise in crime in my neighborhood since these migrants got here. Um, I'm sorry, but <laughs> if you're on the South side of Chicago in the neighborhoods that you're talking about most of the time, there is no way for you to differentiate a rise in crime because of the migrants. Like, first of all, the data is not even there. Um, so like I'm studying right now in criminology and I had no idea until we had to read up on this, but the, uh, FBI switched over their crime reporting, uniform crime report tool. Um, they upgraded it. It should have, it, so the process was like initiated in like 2017. I'll look it up just to be a hundred percent sure. So, uh, uniform crime report. Yeah. So there's a lot of articles here. I want to say, actually we had to do this in class. I don't know if this was the same article. I think so. So let me just pull this up and we can read along. We can read along. All right. So what can FBI data, let me just full screen this so I can read. What can FBI data say about crime in 2021? It is too unreliable to tell. So a transition to a new data system creates huge gaps in national crime stats sure to be exploited by politicians in this election year. So I need y'all to calm the fuck down because 
This is literally, this is it right here. This is it right here. All of this shit is a fucking political ploy. And they're using us like pawns. Black folk, migrant folk, Latin folk, women folk, men folk, all y'all getting played. I just want you to know that right there. Okay, so let's get into it. So this is from the Marshall Project, nonprofit journalism about criminal justice. Okay. Um, so here we go. I'm going to just read a little bit of this and then we'll break it down and maybe get into some other details. But nearly 40%, and so this is directly from this article, okay, uh, by Wehua Lee. I'm so sorry, Wehua Lee, because I'm sure I screwed your name up. All right. Nearly 40% of law enforcement agencies around the country did not submit any data in 2021 to a newly revised FBI crime statistics collection program, leaving a massive gap in information sure to be exploited by politicians in midterm election campaigns already dominated by public fear over a rise in violent crime. Now, time out. The rise in violent crime. Now, we can say this is due to migrants. We can say it's due to just people getting crazy overall. Some folk are going to say it's because, oh, they legalized marijuana, the economy, the recession, unemployment, whatever, COVID, uh, uh, loosened, um, uh, uh, judicial, uh, you know, the, the bail reform, right. Police accountability, uh, hindering police, uh, uh, efficiency, right? Effectiveness. There's a million scenarios they're going to use, but either way it goes fine. It's a rise in violent crime. Let's just assume that that's true. Even though we already know statistics are unreliable at this point and there's a lot of shit going on, right? All right. The gap includes the nation's two largest cities by population, New York City and Los Angeles, as well as most agencies in five of the six most populous states, California, New York, Illinois, Pennsylvania, and Florida. See if your local police report it. I'm pretty sure. So, okay, Illinois is right there. Duh. <laughs> Let me read that again. The gap includes the nation's two largest cities by population, as well as most agencies. Okay. So meaning that there's a gap in the statistics that have been provided, um, so I'm pretty sure Illinois participated, but they, let's just click on it. So see if your state reported crime data to the FBI. Um, to do, do. so in Illinois, 52% of law enforcement agencies reported crime data to the FBI and 33% reported a full year of crime data in 2022. Wow. That's pretty, that's pretty whack. 464 out of 885 law enforcement agencies in Illinois successfully submitted data to the FBI through the National Incident-Based Reporting System in 2022. The agencies that reported any crime stats represented roughly 7 in 10 people in the state. 42 states and the District of Columbia had higher reporting rates than Illinois. Damn. So Illinois basically dropped the ball. In Illinois, the new the law enforcement agency with the largest jur jurisdiction that did not report 12 months of crime data to the FBI is the Aurora Police Department, which did not report any data in 2022. Mm. According to the FBI, 198,000 people live under its jurisdiction, which represent 2% of the people living in the state. Now, there's multiple reasons why... There's multiple reasons. So it says Chicago PD fully reported in 2022 reported seven months in 2021. So CPD cooperated. LA didn't, New York didn't. 
Um, that's crazy. Um, so that's something you want to keep in mind when you're hearing about, oh, well, you know, Chicago's crime went up. Well, it's going to go up because the way that they've changed the reporting tool as well. So let's get back into that. So, um, but just let's put this in perspective. If you have multiple agencies not reporting their data for multitude of reasons, the switch over to this new system, the the oversight um, from, you know, due to police accountability and reform uh, efforts, thanks to, you know, the Black Lives Matter and the George Floyd, um, you know, protests. Um, you have multiple reasons why the data is unreliable. And then you have multiple incentives for police departments to not report the data you especially okay so like like let's look at aurora right like you have some nice some decent homes out there and then you got some areas that are kind of like you know like chicago west side 2.0 <laughs> so like you're not it's okay so it given like property crimes i feel like have increased um i'd have to pull up the actual data on that but when we're talking about like auto thefts have to be through the roof right now because of the hyundai kia shit right them kia boys have been all up and down my citizen app all up and down my ring all up and down my next door neighbors whatever all those apps right so we know that that audio auto thefts have gone up right i mean from what we're seeing i haven't looked at the exact data but i would assume auto theft has has been on the rise you're not going to want to show that if you're in a neighborhood where, you know, your crime rates are one of the hugest, you know, the biggest draws for people to, to buy homes there, to sell your home there, to add value to your property. If you own property there, you're not going to even want to put that out there. So many of these police live in, in these towns should be residents. I believe most of them stipulate that you cannot represent if you don't live in this area. Right. And so you're, you own a home in that area and you're a cop there. Are you going to actively want to report that your crime rates have gone tripled, especially by something that's out of your control when you know that this is going to be used as a political tool against you at some point? against you or your city or whatever. And then it's going to hurt you financially, investment wise, you know, professionally is there's no incentive for a lot of these, you know, um, police departments to report accurately, let alone to report with this new system, not only that the new system. So with this new system and this overhaul, um, it is going to report more, um, crime, Innately, because the old system only reported the greater crime of a multi-crime event, right? So say you rob, you got robbed and shot. Well, the, the crime report's only going to put your, you got shot in, you know, the prior to 2021. It's only going to say you got shot. It's not going to say you were shot and robbed. So when you're looking at a cascade of crimes now being spread out and and itemized and actually accounted for going forward in the new system, there's going to be an uptick in, in crime naturally. So it, it, it almost just 
it almost it's almost like they didn't give the, the the departments any incentive. So the FBI decided, you know, when they were rolling this out, that they were going to, you know, help these departments figure it out. They were going to finance it, obviously, through federal funds um, and, and, and expected this to all be done by 2021. And of course, COVID happened. Nobody could have predicted that. And then, of course, the George Floyd protests and the police oversight and overhauls and all these efforts to kind of reform the police on top of all of that, I'm sure was a huge hindrance. And like I said, there's no incentive incentive. I don't see it. Like, I don't see the incentive as an officer of the law or, uh, you know, a captain or a superintendent or a mayor of a city. I, I don't see why I would encourage my police department to, to switch to this new system to make the crime stats go up when we have an election year coming up, a presidential election coming up. When we had, like, we, we just had an election for Chicago, you know, like Lori Lightfoot, I'm sure trying to rerun she don't want to see a report that says oh my god and crime like tripled since i've been in office <laughs> you know like that's just not it's not the thing to do so i don't know what the fbi was thinking i honestly it feels like sabotage i'm always gonna say it feels like sabotage but it's just like it's insane so hopefully the statistics get better for 2023 uh whenever that comes out um, but I have little, little faith in this, this process, but yeah, let's get into back into this article. So it just to kind of reiterate what I'm saying here. Um, so the agency switched to a new system, the national incident based reporting system. So the old system was the uniform crime reporting program, the UCR. So, um, but like I said, the issue with that was that it didn't gather each incident. So this new system called the National Incident-Based Reporting System, which gathers more specific information on each incident. Even though the FBI announced the transition years ago and the federal government spent hundreds of millions of dollars to help local police make the switch, about 7,000 of the nation's 18,000 law enforcement agencies did not successfully send crime data to the voluntary program last, last year. So almost, so more than half, or less, I'm sorry. So a little more than half of the nation's law enforcement uh, agencies reported. That's so it, to, to, to think almost half did not is just insane. Um, so, yeah, um, 7,000. Yeah. About 7,000 of the 1,800. Is my math not mathing? Nine times two. Yeah, a little. So a little less than half reported. Or did not report. Sorry. Um, so 7,287 law enforcement agencies did not report crime data in 2021 compared to 11,531 law enforcement agencies that did report. Uh, so the new system, so nearly 6,000 agencies reported with the old system in 2020. So, so you're seeing the differential here in who used the old system and who used the new system. Um so the new system, they're showing like they had the new system since 1990-something. That's crazy. It's crazy, bro. All right. Anyway, by contrast, in 2020, around 2,700 agencies did not report crime data due to the, to the uh, data to the FBI. In some cases, an agency will submit data, but the FBI rejects it. So there's also that. Um, but overall, like I said, I don't see an incentive. I don't see why as a, as a, as a law enforcement um, agency, I'm going to volunteer to make my, my stats look worse, even though it may be more accurate, but why would I do this to myself, especially in light of everything that's going on in 2021 and 2022 post pandemic, post George Floyd, right? 
So since 1930, the nation has relied on FBI data collection to understand how crime is changing, such as how many murders or rapes took place last year, which city, which city had the highest murder rate or how many people were arrested. The data gap will make it harder to analyze crime trends and fact check claim politicians make about crime. So anything you hear out these people's mouths about crime, there's almost no way to prove it. Um, so just be, you know, just be cognizant of that is all I'm saying. Um, we'll likely have a lie to have to live. I'm sorry, with, <laughs> with greater uncertainty for, uh, at least a couple of years. Criminologists say, uh, Jacob Kaplan, criminologist, criminologist at Princeton university said, because many big cities and populous states stop reporting, it's, di it's especially difficult to draw conclusions from the 2021 data. So like I said, let's just not rely on what they're saying this election cycle because no, but no one actually knows. Um, it's not going to do the national debate over crime levels or crime solutions any good at all. It's, it's like almost useless, right? Um, and then, so I just wanted to point that out. So when we're talking about this, I'm sure the migrant population and the border is going to come into some of these debates. Um, and when we're looking at the relationships between, you know, the black communities in the migrant communities that are trying to share some of these spaces, um, the, any violence that comes out of that honestly can be taken, you know, can be taken to mean a lot of different things or indicate a lot of different problems. So, you know, like I said, these, a lot of these neighborhoods are already under a lot of stress and duress, um, from the pandemic, from lack of jobs. And then even prior to the pandemic, I mean, a lot of these neighborhoods have been starving, you know, the TIF funds being rerouted to other more affluent neighborhoods to do rebuilding, um, you know, the vacancies and the lack of support for, uh, family businesses and, and small businesses on the South side, um, the lack of home ownership, the lack of, uh, equal opportunities in, in work, um, the lack of equal education, uh, you know, the, the defunding of the, the school system, the closing of these schools. Um, there's just a lot, the lack of mental health help, um, the lack of physical, you know, help, health, uh, care, uh, the, the, the nuclear family, uh, structures, you know, so it's, it's a lot. And so we can't just like be reactionary, like, oh my God. Yeah. Ever since the migrants came, things got worse yeah, cause there's nothing to prove it. Like you have nothing to prove it. And there've been, there've been problems for decades before these folks got here. So to just lay all this on them, it's crazy. Now, on the other hand, I am not, you know, oblivious to the fact that some of these folk may come over here with a chip on their shoulder or some other idea. I saw a video of a guy saying that he needs a job. Like, like he was, it was like the way he was wording it. Like we owe him a job. And it's like, sir, people over here fighting for jobs. Like some people are fighting for jobs to get jobs, to keep jobs. Like, so nobody's going to just hand you anything. So I don't like the idea that some, some of these folks do kind of have like this entitlement, but that's, that's almost, 
that's almost everybody, especially a certain, it's, I feel like that's a characteristic, a characteristic of a certain generation at this point too. It's like, they've had so many things handed to them that they kind of feel like entitled to some things. Um, I even see that with my own children. So I'm trying to curb that in them, but I've definitely seen like, for instance, um, all right. So just to compare, like, right. I was, uh, leaving like a Walmart in Chicago and, um, there was a, like maybe a couple, um, women, like appeared to be Hispanic women with like a child with them or a couple children with them. And they were standing there in the parking lot with a, you know, a handwritten sign on like a cardboard that said, um, you know, recent, uh, Venezuelan refugee, uh, I need a job. I can clean your home or I, I do, you know, uh, I do maid service or something to that effect, she said. And so she was asking for work, right? And this is compared to then I think like the next day or a few days later, I saw a man, he looked able-bodied. There were no children with him. There was no woman with him. It was just him. And he's, you know, in the loop right off of one of the um, exits off of like 290 or I-94, right? And so he's downtown in the loop and he's got his sign up and he says, Venezuelan migrant or refugee need money to pay my rent. And I was like, Huh? <laughs> like, first of all, how do you even have somewhere to rent? <laughs> like, that was my first question. Was like, how do you even have somewhere to rent? Like, you just got here. You don't have ID. You don't have anything. You know, like, that's what the story is for most folk, right? And I'm not saying that's everybody, but then, like, how are you then paying rent? Like, who's who's expecting rent from you at this point? Like, <laughs> how'd you get there? Like, you skipped a whole step. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm confused. I You gotta, like, from what I know, right, you still have to do credit report. Like, let me know if I'm wrong. I haven't rented an apartment in a while, but, like, credit report. Like, you gotta have a job. You gotta have, like, an ID, a social. I mean, unless he's living with someone else who's done all this and they're like, okay, well, just pay me rent every month. But it's like, even then, like, this person had to have known, like, your circumstances. Like, they, how can they? honestly expect rent from you i was curious to know how much his rent was it's not like he had it on the sign like i just need my rent it's only 300 dollars. i have you know <laughs> like one of those church fundraisers like we're the roof fund you know the building fund we're almost there just 200 dollars left to go um that none of that right and so then i'm like okay so you need money for rent but you're not saying you're gonna do anything for it you just like hand me my rent money like what like you know what I mean? I don't know. Maybe Kevin Samuels needs to come back and like have a chat with this guy. Cause it's like, you know, are you, are you a low value man? No, no. All jokes aside. Seriously though. I'm just like, how do you call, how do you go straight for, I need money for rent. And then what do you do about next month? Like you're going to get out here every month. So it just, it was giving, this guy was full of shit. Um, and then I've seen some of them, you know, hungover or laying on the ground, you know, high off of, I don't know what, I don't know if they're doing like fentanyl lace stuff or, you know, heroin or whatever, but clearly drug usage is a thing, you know, and, and so, and I'm not trying to villainize or demonize any population because we all have these issues. Every, everybody's demographic has these issues, but. It doesn't help 
the situation, right? You're already kind of looked at like these others and like you're infringing on other people's resources and other people's land and things like that. And then it's like, of course, that whole idea of like, well, why couldn't you stay where you were? You know? So it's like, maybe you were, maybe you were exiled. Maybe you were, you couldn't cut it there. Maybe, you know, so there's all of that. So that, I mean, I'm just exploring the thinking of people who are going to look at you and and judge and who are going to look at you and say, this is why we don't need you here. And so there's a lot of xenophobia for sure playing into it. But uh, some of this stuff is, uh, you know, these are legit concerns. And like I said, I saw with my own eyes, there's a, there's an entitlement uh, factor for some of these people. Um, I've So I, you know, because I'm bilingual, I will get to see some of the Latin communities uh, take on some of these things. And so I've clicked on a couple articles and I've seen like where like the second generation kids or even those who were first generation and are, are permanent citizen, permanent residents or gained citizenship or naturalized or whatever, where they're saying some of the same things like that a lot of the black community are saying is like, why are they so entitled? Who told them that they're supposed to get this, that, and the other, you know, when you get your feet on the ground over here, you should have just got to work. Like, like my father did, like I had to do when I got here, like we went and we, we worked hard. So I feel like a lot of, especially like a lot of the Mexicans um, that I know from Chicago are kind of of like giving them the side eye because it's like we were not welcomed we were not able to openly walk around and be like yo I'm a migrant yo I'm here illegally yo you know whatever the case may be um I hate that term illegally because it's like no human is illegal but I um I get you know I get what the 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 theme here is like, yo, we worked to get here. Nobody welcomed us. Nobody helped us. Nobody cared about us. No, we were hiding. We were running. We were persecuted. We were deported. We were like, we struggled. And y'all came over here and was like, yo, I can't handle it over there. You know, that's this is how some people are taking it. Like, yeah, you know, yo, I couldn't handle it over there. And I came over here. It's like, oh, take care of me, you Americans. You know, and and it, and you kind of like with that guy with the rent sign. I'm like, well, you know, he's not helping their case. So I I do see it from all sides, but I just wish that we could just kind of all take a deep breath and and realize that you know, in the higher scheme of things, like we're all gonna get our needs met. I think that's really the root of a lot of these these um conflicts is that people don't think that they're going to get their needs met. It's like, you know, the migrants in your community, yeah, it might be an eyesore. Yeah, they might come with some problems, some noise, some racket, you know, some litter, whatever, right? Um, yeah, they may impede something, some things with the police station. I heard like the police station is making them leave out during the day and they can come back at night because, you know, it's like kind of unsavory and probably a little unsafe for them to be in the department while, you know, other people are trying to get in and handle their business and report crimes and things like that. Um, so, and then I heard that there was like some fights at the police station where like a migrant, like, I don't know if this was like an actual, let me see if I can pull it up. Um, migrant, I wonder if like this whole time I've been like talking to y'all and I don't know if I had the camera on me. Nope. I've just been talking and it's just, <laughs> oh my God. So yeah. Um, I don't know if there's been like, uh, um, I don't know if there's been a lot of crime. So this was like, let me pull this one up. Migrant, um, crime, Chicago. 
Let's just see what happens. Migrants. All right, so here we go. Wow. <laughs> I didn't want to pull this up and saw some crap on here. I was like hoping that it was just like all flowers and lollipops. <laughs> I like I honestly had no idea this is what I was gonna pull up. But I've heard several stories. Like one of them was about um migrants uh getting into fights with each other at the police station. Like one group of migrants, someone stabbed another one or something I heard about. I don't know if it was a rumor or if it was confirmed. So that's what I was trying to pull up to confirm it. Um I heard that there was one cop that like impregnated a, a minor that was with the migrants that were being kept at the police station. And you know, they're like sleeping on the floors and <sighs> it's crazy. It's insane. It's so inhumane. Like I just, oh, this is, I just want to see an end to this and like a good outcome for as many people as possible. But I know like everyone's not going to be happy and someone's going to be hurt and pissed off in the end. But yeah, let's see if I can um, pull this one up. All right. So like this one here and then I'll go back full screen so y'all can see it. All right, so four arrested after officers attacked, radio stolen at near West Side Station, police say. Incidents occurred earlier this week at the district station in the 1400 block of South Blue Island Avenue. Um, hmm. I don't want to sign up. Oh my gosh. All right. So I can't look at this because I'm not like, I'm not doing it. Let me see. Let me just come. Sign up for our morning. Sign up for our morning newsletter to gain access. Like, do I have to pay something? Because I don't like y'all like that. Cabrones. They doing me so wrong. I don't like, I don't like how they be doing this. Let me just do this. Let me figure this out real quick. Because I really want to read this article. Okay, whatever. Thanks. All right, back to this. <laughs> I don't care about your subscription. All right, back to this. So, can y'all see that? Yeah. All right. Awesome. All right. So, um, I want to see if I can zoom in a little bit. Or no. Oh, there, there we go. All right, here we go. So, um, all right, so correction, an earlier version of the story erroneously implied that all four people arrested in the incidents were migrants. <laughs> the Sun-Time regrets the error. See what I'm saying? Like, we're so careless, bro. And it's like, it's not helping them. Like, y'all villainizing and demonizing a whole population. And it's pretty, it's pretty it's pretty neglectful, um, negligent, right? All right, so four people were arrested after officers were allegedly attacked or threatened and a radio was stolen at the near West side district police station in separate incidents this week, authorities say what the theft occurred around 6 20 AM Wednesday at the station at 1400 block of South blue Island. Another person then attacked an officer who started chasing the thief. And this is where the other incident was at this blue Island uh, location. Cheese. Another person then attacked an officer who started chasing the thief. Police said, Two suspects were taken into custody, police said. Uh, the officer was taken to a hospital in good... Thanks for the ad. 
in good condition. That incident came a day after a woman allegedly attacked an officer who was working at the station. She fled, but was later located in the 1700 block of West Taylor Street and taken into custody. The woman, 20, was charged with a misdemeanor count of battery, police said. Also Tuesday, a man, 20, threatened an officer at the station, police said. He was taken into custody and charged with misdemeanor counts of criminal trespass to property and assault. The station where the incidents took place has been one where the city has housed asylum-seeking migrants in cramped conditions as they initially arrived to the city via buses from Texas and other states. While a police report about the incident Wednesday stated that one of the people arrested was from Venezuela, another person involved listed an address from the south side and police could not confirm the status of the others involved. So only one of those four people were confirmed to be a Venezuelan asylum asylum seeker. Um, yeah. So let's see. And then I'm going to see the other article. Chicago will spend $255.7 million on migrant crisis by years in mayor says all the persons were not told where the tent cities would be located. They were simply asked to identify potential sites in their ward. Yikes. And that is as of, let's see if I can pull this up. So yeah. All right. Uh, City Hall. So Chicago will spend $255.7 million on migrant crisis by the year end. Um, and so the aldermen obviously are not happy. All right. Chicago's burgeoning migrant crisis will have cost taxpayers more will have cost taxpayers more than a quarter of a billion dollars by December 31st. Mayor Brandon, Brandon Johnson of told city council members Friday. The mayor also wanted council members to know it is full speed ahead for its plan to build giant tent cities to move near, nearly asylum seekers out of Chicago police stations before the temperatures plummet. But he still offered no new plans on that detail details on that plan child am i dyslexic lexic i need some wine maybe that's it let me give you <laughs> let me give me some wine okay because i don't know i don't know what's happening here i'm drinking let's get this out the way uh creamery chardonnay can y'all see that can you see that? Awesome. Barrel fermented. It's pretty good. I'm, I mean, you know, it did it did the job. 13.5% alcohol by volume. Uh, this is produced and bottled by the Creamery Parlier. I can't read. Parlier. <laughs> That's why I got my glasses on, y'all. Parlier something, California. Please help me, whoever knows how to say that. And, uh, yeah. This is, this is decent. It tastes okay. I'm not a real big Chardonnay girl, but I bought it and it's, that's okay. It's working out. Let me stop playing. I'm not even paying attention to where I'm pouring it. <laughs> I play too much. All right. This ought to help my tongue, my tongue tightness. All right. So. <laughs> So, yeah, so they pretty much um, clearly uh, are, you know, Brandon's like, I don't care. I'm going to just figure this out, guys. I don't know. Brandon, let me just say this. <laughs> Brandon Johnson, like, 
sir, you are not on the campaign trail anymore. You got to start giving us real answers, bro. <laughs> like, <laughs> he just... He has just been playing the old, like... He has just been playing the old, like... I, you know, I, I'll, I'll get back to you on that. Like, you know, we're still working on it. You know, I'll, I'm, you know, it's on, it's on our list, you know, like has his first hundred days passed already? Like, do they do that? Like the president where like he has to give his report on his first hundred days, like the state of the city address or something. Yikes. Um, anyway, all right, back to this. Let's go ahead and get into it. So, uh, the mayor also wanted, uh, council. Okay. I'm, I passed that uh, one day after the Chicago Sun-Times disclosed the parameters of Johnson's bold plan, bold plan. I don't know what's so bold about it. It was like, it literally it's a tent city. I mean, I mean, I get it because it is kind of like being proactive about them. Um, you know, being housed somewhere hopefully not painfully cold because i know they ain't ready for this chicago winter boy that's gonna woo that's gonna thin the herd baby um and yeah so like i mean like we have tents under you know the the stevenson or whatever or is it stevenson or wherever the the interchange is the jane Byrne. i guess that's what they call the interchange like it's just kind of crazy that um yeah, like this is the this is a bold plan, like to just do something that makes sense. I don't I don't know. The like the next best thing, I guess. I, I don't know. And it's not like this is like the ultimate solution. So I don't know. This is just I don't know what I would do if I were mayor, but I just don't think these people are being realistic. Like I just it just this is not something you can just keep band-aiding and hoping it gets better like it's just it's it's a huge issue and it's just seemingly just mushrooming you know out of control so i don't know the mayor and his top aides held a series of virtual briefings to enlist the help of chicago alder persons in identifying vacant land where the winterized base camps in quotes could be built between oops sorry included in the johnson administration's president pres the administration hold on hold on included in the johnson administration's presentation were a series of graphics laying out the cost of a humanitarian crisis with no end in sight so i that, that's what i'm talking about right there now at least he has a grasp on like if we do nothing it's going to be worse than if I throw some money at it. And I agree with him there. Like you're going to have to throw money at it to, to, to get it under some kind of control. But it's like doing that, does it curb the issue? Does it now make it easier and more likely for more migrants to come to Chicago directly or via, you know, being relocated from Texas or wherever else in those border towns? Like, it's like, it's like you're feeding the beast, you know? So I don't, it's, this is hard. Like, this is a hard discussion to have and a hard thing to police and like to actually, you know, enact and execute policy on. So, I mean, I, we got these mayors, these black mayors back to back that are dealing with some crazy, unprecedented shit, y'all. And so I just want y'all to at least put that into perspective before we go like barking, you know, up the wrong tree about, about what's happening in our neighborhood 
neighborhoods and when it comes down to the election cycle. Because I've heard a lot of people, you know, start saying, oh, well, I'm going to vote Republican now. And I'm not here to discourage anybody from voting however they want to vote. But I do want you to, to be discouraged in just being reactionary um, and not looking at things objectively and logically and knowing that there's a lot of room for people to spin these issues and that you honestly have to use some common sense, use some intuition and use your own, you know, intelligence and in, in kind of analyzing what's in front of you, uh, whether it be something you've seen with your own eyes or statistics or, you know, graphs and, 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 um, you know, assertions made about the, the current climate politically or, you know, economically, um, crime wise, all of that. All right. So back to this. So between August and December of 2022, the city spent 17.5 million August and December. That's what? Five months, right? August, September, October, November, December. Yeah. Five months, not even a half year, 17.5 million to house, feed, clothe, and otherwise care for asylum seekers as the pace of new arrivals increased exponentially. The city's spending ballooned to $115.2 million from January through July 23rd this year. So that's another six months. And it's, what? What is that? Like, that's like over five times more. Wow. Through the rest of the year, the top mayoral aides expect the crisis to cost the city $123 million. So another 123 on top of the 115. So we're looking at grant. Oh, here they added it for me. Thank you. Sometimes 255.7 million. Alderman Andre Vasquez of the 40th ward chair of the city council's committee of immigrant and refugee rights said he was alarmed, but not at all surprised by the sky skyrocketing price tag. Same. Okay. Vasquez said he has no idea where that 200, 255.7 million is going to come from where it needs to come from is from state and federal funds. That is this is that kind of issue. If you're looking to other cities across the country that are also dealing with it, that's the scale of the challenge. We need the state and the governor to convene other cities in Illinois to identify where else folks can take on some capacity. So they're trying to spread the burden amongst the rest of the state. And then we need the state and the federal government in regards to more funding and expedite work authorization. So a lot of these folks can't even work because they don't have the legal authority to do so. There was another article that popped up. I'm not going to read it, but if you're interested, it was it came up on this actual same thread uh, that I, on the last article, at least I saw. I don't know if you guys saw it. Um, there was a barber arrested for practicing illegally without a license um, and happened to be a migrant, I guess, is what the story, the headline said. So I didn't read into it, but if you're interested, definitely go pull that one up because I'm sure that plays into a lot of it. It's like you want these folks to come over here and get to work, but some of them can't get to work. So, I mean, in that guy's defense that's out there asking for rent money, I just still feel like he should have worded it a little bit differently. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I need some new Jordans, y'all. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> but yeah, it's like, what would like, and you gotta, you gotta really pick your, your pitch depending on your audience, right? Like, 
black people in the hood are not going like we don't be giving out i don't know i don't think we really be giving out money like that anyway like when i'm at the um starbucks or like the uh duncan drive through and you know like the person some usually is camped up there's usually some people that already know the deal on my side of town at least they camped up at the starbucks or the, or the duncan at the you know right at the uh window um or you know at the end of the driveway out the drive through and so like you know they're fighting with those those established uh panhandlers and uh but they need to pick up some game or something like i mean they just be out there just shaking a cup hey, hey, hey be out and give me something to eat you know and i mean yeah i don't know why they're not sticking with the hey, hey, i mean give me something to eat you know they better learn hey, 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 get something to eat. i don't even know what they be saying out there. i mean hey, give me something to eat. all right here you go um or like i remember there was one time when i was on the um red line Woo, shout out to the red line i was on a red line and i never forget this this guy was asking for five dollars he wasn't asking for change he wasn't asking for a dollar he said five dollars and somebody tried to hand him like some change and i think he threw that shit back at them from what i remember he threw that shit at them was like i need five dollars i was like what the fuck <laughs> oh, i'm gonna get with this shit I'm like nigga more money <laughs> add that shit up nigga clearly you failed math <laughs> he don't need a job he needs some accounting skills I don't know what we're going to do. But anyway, um, so we need the state and a governor to convene other cities in Illinois to identify where else folks can take some capacity. So that means downstate, that's y'all. Um, and then we need the state and the federal government in regards to more funding and expedite work authorizations. Alderman Ray Lopez later issued a statement saying he is cautiously optimistic about Johnson's proposal, but called it simply unacceptable that Chicago is forced to shoulder the burden for asylum seekers because of the federal government's unwillingness to address this crisis decades in the making. Ray, you ain't lied, okay? Ray Lopez, uh, you ain't lied. Um, it's, it's, God, this is such a tough thing. Like, I don't see how anyone can just decisively be like, this is what needs to happen because it's a very like it's a multifaceted problem it is very complex and someone's going to get hurt one way or the other in the end of this like people are going to lose someone's going to lose out uh during this week's sun times interview johnson repeatedly refused to rule out budget cuts or tax increases to deal with the burgeoning humanitarian crisis which has brought 13 1,500 migrants and counting to Chicago since last year. He did say, quote, sacrifices would be required and the cost of not making those sacrifices would be far greater and would trigger chaos, in quotes. Vasquez, however, doesn't believe there are other ways to get the money. I think it is really trying to identify what the other funding sources are, whether there's federal stimulus funds that can be used, if there's grant money, if there's federal money or more offered by the state. Whoo, chow. Friday, during Friday's slide presentation, oh, and so there's a graph here, a graphed graph here on year-to-date costs by agencies. And so, bro, this wig, uh, this wig band a little tight. I feel I'm about to turn this video off, yo. I'm getting a little numb up here. In the, in the amygdala, my amygdala numb. All right. Uh, <laughs> that's what I want because I don't have no feelings for these hoes. All right. Anyway. 
<laughs> um, actual. <laughs> so uh, August to December, they're showing the spending here and then they're showing the estimates. So this is just showing the projection, the data that we were talking about earlier about how much they're projected to spend and what the total would be from uh, last year and well, through the rest of this year. So this is January. Uh, this was last year to December. This is January 23 through July 23 to show you that six month span there. And then there is the uh, rest of the year uh, or seven months. And then the rest of the year to total the 255 we were talking about a million dollars. All right. And so um, during Friday's slide presentation, city council members were shown pictures of what the giant tents would look like. They include frames, rows of cots, mess halls, and attached heating and air conditioning units. Trailer-like portable toilets were parked adjacent to the tents. Now you already know Muggs is about to be complaining about this shit. First of all, I'm surprised the homeless ain't been protesting. Like, where they at? Have there been, like, homeless people, like, you know, out in the streets marching about this shit? Like, hold on, y'all gave them state-of-the-art tents and shit, and we've been out here, you know, barely making it with cardboard. And then y'all was, like, I know in New York, they were, like, throwing the tents away. So this is very interesting. Like, this is very interesting juxtaposed to, like, um, you know, I think it was, uh, Eric Adams was like throwing the tents away. And, like, there's been several accounts of, you know, major cities uh, kind of coming down and destroying these tent cities or at least trying to um, curb, you know, the, 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 the level of comfort that they're finding there. Right. And so for we, from, for you to do that and then turn around and be like, Oh, here's these state of the art tents with like, you know, condo like amenities. <laughs> I'm not trying to exaggerate it, but honestly it's like, come on, AC heat, a mess hall, you know, like portable toilets, like, that's luxury. I mean, we had we were housing some of the homeless in hotels during the pandemic. Um, obviously, because of the demand with the travel bans and everything, and everybody being on these quarantine orders, so that allowed for you know the hotels to kind of have that space to do that. And then governments got emergency funding to do things like that. So I mean, we kind of have to look at Joe Biden too and be like, bro, where's the money? Like, who is like we still need funds to help with all of these problems that are still going on, but they kind of want to make it up in their mind that we've gotten over the hard part financially or economically and it's just not so we've not returned to normal and there's still a lot of the effects of what has happened and those shutdowns are still very prevalent you know right now um and then on top of that with this humanitarian crisis with the mig with the migration situation so uh, older persons were not told where these tent cities would be located. They were simply asked to identify potential sites in their wards, preferably on concrete. Grass surfaces are okay too, though. So there's a lot of abandoned space on the south side, um, mostly grass surfaces. Um, but, you know, th this is going to be very interesting. Vasquez said he has heard of only one specific land site, land, at 115th of Halstead that once housed a jewel grocery store. Oh, wow. And that's been abandoned. Oh, my God. I grew up over there. So that's been ab abandoned since shit. It's been like 20 years, bro. At least. Honestly. Um, they're already looking at different sites to identify what's possible. Similar to shelter sites, when they see candidates or opportunities in wards, they'll be communicating to alders on the ground to let them know what it looks like. This is a site they're going going to gonna be moving forward on i don't see why they can't just like 
Like, pay a goddamn developer. Level all of that. So, it's like, say, 115 the hall set. Level that whole shit. Because I don't think there's any, like, anchor sword. There's no business there. I don't think I don't think anything's there. There was, like, a jeweler and, like, a little indoor mall. But, I mean, come on, y'all. Like, the way they the way they bulldoze uh, Evergreen Plaza, do that same shit, right? And instead of putting up strip mall, put up a multi-story residence for the migrants problem solved like i mean i don't know like i don't know what to tell y'all but y'all need to think of something y'all need to think bigger i feel like tense ain't the way to go that's like another band-aid and it's just another mess and it's just something else somebody else gotta move and reconstruct and refit you know what i mean like just just the way y'all do all this development downtown, the way y'all throw them dorms up, you know, the way y'all renovated Northwestern Hospital, the way y'all added all these dorms um, for, I think it was like Roosevelt and um, Roosevelt DePaul and somebody else I think was sharing like the, 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 um, the student um, housing uh, center that they threw up over there. Oh, I want to say it was on like, wells ida b wells drive or something like that is over there somewhere near depaul um but yeah like i mean i don't know what's stopping y'all from having a government funded building multiple stories you know just very small basic apartments to house you know or different sizes but just as a, you know uh, as a means to have another place where you can kind of revolve the recently relocated right so like i mean you got to have a system right so like i mean yeah you can hold them in certain c centers and kind of vet like who gets priority to get those types of housing like i honestly i would prioritize women and children and let these men fend for themselves just like y'all do with anything else like when i was homeless and i was in shelters like homeless men were not allowed in most of those places the only time you were allowed is if you had a child and you were with the mother of that child and y'all were living as a family in those shelters where family you know dynamics were allowed where men were allowed um you know due to the nature of having you know uh co-ed facilities you know th they kind of discourage that because you know a lot of times with that comes sexual assault and you know different things you know uh child molestation and things like that so i mean i would honestly that would be the process if it was up to me like level some of these abandoned you know strip mall they ain't making no money tell you know but see that's the thing whoever the developer is or whoever owns that property it's probably gonna try and put a, a crazy price tag on it but i mean eminent domain right ain't y'all got lawyers for that city of chicago like that's eminent domain holla bulldoze that whole shit down this the price we giving y'all give us our you know i know they'll sue the shit out of them but i mean what you what you what are we gonna do level that shit multi-unit building you know and then you can have like a social services office at the in the first floor and then, you know, multi-story, multi-units and, you know, give them some sort of access based on, you know, a swipe card or something. So they kind of have their own autonomy to come and go. Um, or you can do it where it's, you know, very much a monitored social services site. So it's like, y'all got to be in at this time. Y'all got to leave at this time. Y'all got to go look for work during these hours. We'll help you do this. You can only be here for this many months before you have to go get on your own. We wait on your, because honestly, that's what the process is. It's like they, they, they come over here, they're looking for asylum, right? And so they fill out the paperwork with, um, with immigration or whatever to have a date set for court 
from what I know, those dates are somewhere around six months, like five or six months out. So they have a bit of time that they have to wait until they're even seen for that. What happens after? I don't know. I've seen some circumstances where these people say that they want to seek asylum and then they say that they're not. And then I don't know what happens then. Do they get just kind of lost in the shuffle and then they're just kind of waiting to see if they get caught up and deported? I don't know. But what happens when they do see it, the judging and seek asylum? I don't know. So I, I'm interested in finding more about that. I'll probably read up on it and then we'll bring that into another discussion. But my my concern is that, you know, the, the services aren't comprehensive enough. And then because we're not like because we're like being reactive and we're not in front of it, we're not able to to correct things and like kind of uh, funnel the process. And I feel like if you were to like come up with a comprehensive hub on like each side of the city where you have a, a multi-story development and then social services kind of like uh running the thing on site um as as many of the shelters that are funded by like dhs work then you would be able to you know help with all that process and then monitor each person especially, like I said, families with women and children so that you can make sure that they're safe and then they're following, they have stability enough to make it to their asylum hearings. And then you can know, okay, where they are in their process, expedite that for them, help them along with that, help them along with the work permits, help them find sustainable housing until that process is completed or then monitor those folk who are not continuing that process and find out what's, you know, what's impeding them, what's discouraging them, where they're going to go after they've not decided they're no longer going to seek asylum, like what the next steps are for that. So I feel like if you were to be a little bit more proactive about kind of centralizing these efforts in, you know, in a, a facility where there is also housing and the social services combined with a security element to it, of course, then I feel like you, you can better get in front of it to kind of bring it in under some kind of control. That's just my two cents. Hopefully Brandon Johnson sees this <laughs> and comes with a check and come with the check, Brandon. Cause if you got this 2.5, if you got 255 million for this, I know you got a few thousand for me. You know what I mean? I just take a few thousand, a few hundred, just give me about six of them zeros. <laughs> they give me like five of them zeros. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah. Um, all right, so here we are. They're already looking at uh, different sites to identify what's possible, similar to the shelter sites. When shelter sites, when they see candidates or opportunities in wards, they'll be communicating to alders on the ground to let them know that it looks like this is a site they're going to they're going to be moving forward on. Vasquez said, Alderman Nick Sposato, Sposato, thirty eighth. Uh, said during the virtual briefing he attended top mayoral aide said there are were more five more buses on the way oh my god this is just the tip of the iceberg the floodgates are open but that's what I'm saying like there has to be a way to kind of curb it and not maybe maybe not so much discourage them more people from being shipped here but to make it where the process is so tight that it's like, if you're not honestly here to seek asylum and you do not have a legitimate case for political asylum, you don't even want to bother with the process because you already know it's going to lead you to nowhere. So unless you have a legitimate reason to go through this process, as opposed to the other forms of immigration, then you're going to be discouraged from doing that. And we're going to lead you back to square one because you wasted your time trying to claim political um persecution. Uh, so, I mean, I'm not trying to discredit people who are saying that, but I'm just saying if there were, and I just feel like the, the 
it just it, it would be it would be naive to think that there aren't people who are, are are not taking advantage of this that there aren't people who are taking advantage of this process so and to alleviate that i would definitely make it a lot more um you know a lot more uh strict a little bit more organized and that would help you know to pinpoint who is doing what and why and where they're going to end up you know and and kind of discourage anyone who thought that they were going to just you know, kind of sneak in and do whatever is going to know that, no, we're figuring this out. We're watching you. And if you're not about what you said you're about, we're going to, we're going to ship you right back to where you were at. And you're probably going to be worse off than you were before you started. So don't even do it. That's my two cents. All right. So this is just the tip of the iceberg. The floodgates are open. They mentioned the state, the government, but nobody, the governor, but nobody ever said a damn word about the president calling out the president. Let's secure our borders. Whoop, whoop. Sposato want that smoke. Sposato said he was he was not surprised when the mayor and his lieutenants refused to say how many tent cities they plan to build. Who chat? It's getting messy real quick. I really believe they don't know. They don't. They can't say they're gonna build three of them when really we're gonna need fifty of them, right? The my bottom line is I still don't know what the hell is going on. Sposato is mad. Is he Italian or something? <laughs> he's like he's giving ethnic ethnic pissed okay <laughs> other than they're just saying come on in we're gonna house you we're gonna feed you we're gonna clothe you we're gonna do everything for you they're digging in on the fact that we're a sanctuary city he is so right i think at some point we have to say we can't do this anymore no he is so right it is like a matter of like the ego like going well we did say we were a sanctuary city and we're gonna stand on that but it's like at some point you do have to kind of like go but we can only do so much like i need y'all to like figure something else out on your own because you're like y'all are whole adults like you know maybe leave them alone maybe let them figure it out maybe not threaten them with deportation but but also be like yo you gotta do the asylum work or we're gonna find you like we're gonna find you and we're gonna send you back to the back of the line Sposato said he had a ton of questions going into the briefing and none were answered, though Johnson was joined by as many as eight top aides, including interim police superintendent Fred Waller. Right. He still hasn't chosen a, a police superintendent either. I don't think. Oh, my God. Brandon, get it together. Come on, Mr. Johnson. Come on, Mayor Johnson. I have no idea how we can pay for this, because in my opinion, it's just the tip of the iceberg. We haven't seen anything yet. We're going to have to get this money from somewhere else, Sposado said. I think it's unsustainable and it's going to be impossible to pay for. I'm curious. I got to figure out who this uh, alderman is. Uh, Nick Sposato, 38th word. It's giving, it's giving Italian. But let's just see. Nick Spasato, born October 7, 1958, serves the Chicago City Council as Alderman of the 38th Ward in Chicago's far northwest side, elected Alderman in 36th Ward in 2011 against incumbent John Rice, who was endorsed by Mayor-elect, then Mayor-elect Rahm Emanuel. City Council were redistricted. redistricted. Uh, Spasato was reelected as Alderman for the 38th in 2015 and 2019. He was born in Chicago before being elected. Okay, I just want to, I'm nosy. I just really want to know heritage here because he, it's giving... It's giving spicy, spicy, uh, ethnic. <laughs> um, so before being elected city, city council, Spasato was a firefighter for 18 years and served in the local school council of Sayre Language Academy and president of the Trinity High School Fathers Club. Uh, Spasato has multiple sclerosis and uses a wheelchair. Oh, I was like, why don't I know this guy though? I've never seen his face. 
Um, let's see, let's see, let's see. Are we going to get anything? No, they don't want to tell me what his background is. Anybody know what Spasado ethnicity, that last name, uh, the ancestry behind that? Please let me know. Um, tensions be building up with his refusal to support police accountability measures worries about socialists and commies having too much influence in society yeah he's giving like old school italian like bridgeport <laughs> oh my god uh is a social conservative when it comes to race and lgbtq issues and has faced criticism for remarks on these subjects yeah he clearly don't care what he say okay because the man was popping off i'm not mad at him no stand on your shit okay let me, I just want to see. I just want to see. I'm nosy. Uh, Nick Sposato. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Ancestry. There we go. I don't know if it's going to answer me. <clears throat> all right. So I'm pulling up ancestry.com and all this other shit that I don't want. Somebody just tell me, is Spasato Italian? Yeah, I'm thinking it, right? Italy, Italy. Yeah, I'm thinking Spasato is an Italian. Spasato. Uh, name, origin. Uh, Italian from married. Haha, <laughs> Sposado. Es Sposado como marido. Perhaps a nickname for someone who had married the daughter of the chief of the village. So it's Italian for married. So yeah, it's an Italian name. That's what I thought. So yeah, Nick is given Bridgeport Italian. <laughs> I'm not mad at it. Okay, that's what I was like. I'm just reading the quotes. That's so funny to me that you can read that. Uh, anyway, um, so yeah, I, I agree with him on a lot of that though. So um, even though I'm sure we don't agree on other things and multitudes, but uh, yeah, so I don't know what you're going to do, Mr. Mayor, Mayor Johnson. I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot going on. There's a lot left to be desired with this whole tent city idea. Um, the, the black community is kind of ripe for, is ripe for a lot of independent voting and even, you know, going red. Honestly, I mean, just the last few election cycles, especially I feel like amongst black men, I've seen a lot of uh, Republican values being reflected in a lot of the black male population. And I'm not judging like, I mean, I feel like everybody should vote for their best interests, but also you want to hold your people accountable to what they said on the campaign trail or whatever it is that you feel like they were putting forth as their priority. Like you need to hold them to it. Um, just like I'm, I'm sure everyone who voted for Brandon Johnson is expecting him to do something about crime do something about police accountability, do something about building the community partnerships with the police. Um, but this, this migrant situation is just like throwing a monkey wrench in everything because like, what, what else can you focus on? Like this shit is the problem, like the highest, you know, like it's, it's taking over because it intersects all these other problems, the economy, the, the real estate, the, the you know, the city's commerce, you know, like it, everything intersects with this. So it's, 
it's not an issue that he can overlook. And um, he, these answers that he's giving are not going to last long. I don't know um, why we haven't heard more from different aldermen. And maybe they're scared to speak up in the way that Mr. Uh, Alderman Spasado did. But uh, we need people to be a little bit more outspoken about what they think are the solutions, um, not just the problems for sure. Um, but yeah, they need to get ahead of this. I feel like they're just band-aiding it and they're, and like, I agree with the Alderman Spasado on this. Like you're not, you're not letting, you're not, you're not making it clear that you're overwhelmed. Therefore, it's just going to keep getting worse until you like honestly admit, like, I need a break here. We need a moment. We need to, you know, maybe we, maybe we can't handle this. Maybe we aren't the equipped to be a sanctuary civil city to no end. You know, like there's, there are finite resources and finite space here and finite, you know, um, um, mechanisms in place to handle like this 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 influx of people so I hope that um they really take a look at everything on like a base level and like throw the pride out throw the ego out um don't let the politics of it get into it as as much as possible and just honestly just try to find a solution to curb it and really slow it down because like you can't just keep trying to take it all in because it's just going to keep happening. They're just going to keep sending more people here. And I mean, I don't want them to like, you know, just leave these people with nothing. But at the end of the day, like if we don't have it, we don't have it. So it's like, they, there's got to be a balance. And the only way you're going to do this, is if you set a boundary and go, you look, yo, we, we've taken what we can take. Somebody else got to help us, bro. Or we're going to like, I mean, that's honestly what that what Abbott did. And at least that's what he's saying he did. And we don't, you know, I don't know for sure if that was the genuine circumstance, but it definitely was a political ploy. But even with politics aside, like you have to at some point admit like, yo, I can't, we can't do this. Like we need help. We need everybody all hands on deck. And I feel like that's a very good point. Like what is, like, what does, what is the state of Illinois going to do? What is, uh, what's his name? Pritzker. What does Pritzker got to say about all this? Let's see if we can find, before we go, let's find a Pritzker. Pritzker migrant. Okay, so let's just pull this one up. Um... So it says Prisker Johnson. Richard J. Daly oh, was oh, oh. the boss. We used the river. Silencio. As okay. Pritzker Johnson pressed Biden to allow migrants to work while seeking asylum. Okay. So, um, yeah. The state's most powerful Democrats marked the first anniversary of the arrival of the bus of migrants sent to Chicago by Texas Governor Greg Abbott after crossing the southern border by pressing President Joe Biden to allow migrants to work in industries facing labor shortages. Since that first bus of 75 migrants arrived at Union Station late on a Wednesday night with no advance notice, more than 13.5 thousand people have made their way to Chicago, straining the city's social safety net and at times exacerbating tension between Chicago's black and Latino communities. Like I said, with approximately 6,700 people taking up every spot in 15 shelters, more than 2000 men 
Women and children are being forced to sleep on the floors of police stations across the city and at Chicago O'Hare International Airport, according to city data, city data released by the mayor's office Wednesday. Uh, this was written August 31st, 2023. Um, while officials said they remain committing, committed to welcoming those new Chicagoans with open arms and hearts, the city needs help from the federal government, Mayor Brandon Johnson said at the news conference Wednesday, organized by the American Business Immigration Coalition Action. Let me state this clearly. The city of Chicago cannot go on welcoming new arrivals safely and capably without significant support and immigration policy changes. Johnson said one day after he and Governor J.B. Pritzker sent a letter to Homeland Security Secretary uh, Alejandro Mayorkas asking for assistance. So I, I need to look at that. Um, Johnson spoke with Mayorkas earlier this week and he said he is scheduled to speak with him again on Thursday. So yeah, I'll figure out what happened with that. Maybe we'll talk about that on the next episode. Um, Johnson spoke alongside Senator Dick Durbin, um, U.S. Rep. Chuy Garcia and business representatives who said they were desperate to hire more workers and would leap at the chance to hire the migrants who are all in the country legally after requesting asylum but are not permitted to work without special permission. More than a month ago... Okay. More than a month ago, Johnson vowed to move those living in police stations into permanent shelters as quickly as possible. Although Johnson's administration has opened 10 new shelters since the new mayor took office uh, in mid-May, the number of migrants arriving in Chicago from the southern border on buses outstripped the city's ability to house them. There is no indication that Abbott will stop sending migrants to cities like Chicago and New York to embarrass de Democratic mayors for Biden, who is running for re-election. Since the first bus arrived a year ago, it has become increasingly clear that welcoming new arrivals is not a short-term crisis, but a long-term dynamic. Both Johnson and Prisker called on Congress to overhaul the nation's immigration laws, but acknowledged that those efforts are incredibly unlikely to succeed 15 months before the next presidential election and while Republicans control the House. Prisker also asked the Biden administration to bear more of the cost of feeding, sheltering, and providing medical care for the migrants. Excuse me. In the past 12 months, the state has spent $250 million to care for the migrants and the whole city has, the whole, while well, city officials, sorry, have spent $100 million, the governor said. Um, and this was based on those other numbers. So totally we're going to end up, yeah, over 200 well, about $255 million. All right, under typical rules, immigrants seeking asylum in America have to wait 150 days after submitting their application to ask officials to allow them to work. That permit cannot be granted until 30 days after they ask for it. However, because of massive backlogs, permits nearly always take much longer to be issued. In all, state and city officials have received just, uh, just $38 million in reimbursements from the Biden administration. Wow. Although it is the federal government's responsibility to care for those awaiting hearings on their request for asylum, Pritzker said. We have the jobs. We have the people. We just need authorization from Washington, said Pritzker, who has been a major supporter of Biden's reelection bid and will host the 2024 DNC convention. Um, yeah, Democratic National Convention, where Biden is set to become his party's nominee for another term. So excited. Woo! 
um, Illinois is facing labor shortages and food processing, clean energy, healthcare, including nursing and dentistry, transportation, warehousing, and more, according to the letter Pritzker and Johnson sent to Mallorcas. Um, immigrants from Afghanistan, Cuba, Haiti, and Ukraine. I don't know why I said Afghanistan like that. Afghanistan, Cuba, Haiti. And I don't know how to say Ukraine and Ukraine, but Ukraine are permitted to work in most cases while awaiting a ruling in their asylum case. And the migrants who ended up in Chicago after traveling from Central America should enjoy the same status, officials said. Oh, boy. Uh, Chicago has long protected undocumented immigrants. The city's status as a so-called sanctuary city dates back to 1985 when former mayor Harold Washington woo, issued an executive order prohibiting city employees from enforcing federal immigration laws. It became law in 2006 reaffirmed after the 27 sorry the 2016 election of former President Donald Trump and expanded in 2021. So this gets more into how the crisis was inherited by Lightfoot, what was going on in Texas, what happened with the, you know, the backdrop of COVID um, and just all of the frustration that came along with that from Alderman Jeanette Taylor, who blasted Lightfoot's decision to open a shelter in a shuttered school without consulting the community or developing a plan to ensure the safety of everyone in the area. Taylor warned that the Spanish-speaking migrants would also be isolated in a black neighborhood. Si tú eres un, un migrante que se siente uh, solo en nuestra ciudad porque no habláis no habla inglés, háblame por lecciones de inglés y también si es un negro o algo uh, alguien que habla inglés y que quiere aprender español para hablar con nuestros vecinos nuevos inmigrantes de Venezuela o lo que sea en español los que hablan español y quieren hablar o comunicar con esas personas háblame por esas lecciones ok uh, I was just saying like yo if y'all having problems out here talking to each other holler at me I'll, I'll teach you a little some some you know what I mean you know what I mean? All right. Since the shelter opened, Taylor said it has proven to be a nuisance and a magnet for sex trafficking. Ugh. Does she have proof? At the same time, churches and community groups have mobilized to help the migrants, bringing them everything from food, clothing, medicine to toys for their children, assistance in enrolling in school and getting other services. I hear anybody calling out the churches. Were y'all mad at the churches? Mm. 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 What would Jesus do? Mm. Talk about some Christians. Mm. <laughs> Okay. Um, Johnson has praised those efforts, calling them an example of the soul of Chicago. Right on. Um, just days before leaving office, Lightfoot declared a state of emergency with 450 migrants living at Chicago police stations. There are now nearly three and a half times more migrants living there nearly six months later. Ciao. I, yeah. And I mean, like I said, I drove by these police stations and they're just outside like tents and people just everywhere. Um, growing tensions between the black and Latino Chicago was boiled over at a city council meeting at the end of May, resulting in a tense debate that featured racist abuse. Eventually the council voted 34 to 13 to spend 51 million from the city's 2021 budget surplus to help care for the migrants. But long-term solutions have proven elusive. Even after Johnson vowed to vowed in mid July to move the 950 people then living at police stations into permanent shelters as quickly as possible during an ongoing probe into whether more than one officer assigned to the West side police station had sexual contact with at least one of the migrants officials have yet to substantiate, substantiate that claim or identify a victim. Okay. 
So maybe it was just a rumor, but I wouldn't put it past them. You know what I mean? So allegedly, but whatever. Sounds likely. Sounds legit. Despite that, Wednesday marked the first time Johnson and Pritzker put the full force of their offices behind calls to permit the migrants to work and allow them to earn enough money to pay for permanent housing. Uh, however, Johnson bristled. So I guess that kind of answers my question about how, how old boy got even an apartment. Maybe he finagled. He finessed himself into an apartment. Like, I got you. I just got my permit. Didn't you just see the new? conference que yo lo voy a trabajar muy pronto mamita te voy a pagar te voy a, te lo te lo prometo que voy a pagar en algunos meses algunos meses solamente solo, solamente tengo que trabajar un poco semanas y ya lo tengo todo ok mami no te preocupes de nada and then now he's out on the expressway asking for rent money. That's probably what happened. All right. So Johnson bristled at a question from WTTD News about whether state or city officials should have demanded months ago that the federal officials allow migrants to work while waiting for hearing asylum cases. Chicago and Chicago and Illinois are working together. Johnson said, I've been mayor for 170 days, 170 days. Ooh, so it has been more than 100 days. And he said, I'm mad. He a little sassy. Okay, Johnson, don't calm down. Man. But no, that's a good question. Like, why would y'all wait? Like, y'all couldn't... Like, I mean, I, I don't work in, in government, but I would think you would, like, anticipate that would be a thing to do. I only been married for 107 days. Well, you weren't talking that shit during the election campaign, was you, nigga? 107 days is a lot of time, nigga. Okay, I'm gonna respect my black mayor. <clears throat> So, yeah. So, as you can see, um, we're, we're behind, like, we're behind it. We're not, you know, we're not getting in front of this. We're not moving fast enough. And it's just too many holes in this for it to be a, a good outcome for the migrants or the citizens of Chicago, especially the black community. But I'm going to end this by saying, black folks, we have endured a lot a lot this is nothing like i know it seems like something very insurmountable and on top of everything else that's been going on it feels like oh my god what else can we take but honestly i feel like there's more good to come out of it than bad if we look at it the right way now, if we continue on the path we are now where we're, you know, falling into the xenophobia, where we're using racist tropes, where we're stereotyping and being bigoted, then, yeah, it's going to end up bad because how long you think y'all going to be dealing with these folks in a disrespectful way before it becomes a massive thing? You know, they're already you got to have some empathy, right? Like. Yeah, you may be downtrodden. Yeah, you may have, as a black person in Chicago, right, you may have limited opportunities. You may feel the brunt of the racism uh, in policing policies and brutality at the hands of the police and policy and all of that, economic, you know, suppression and all of that, right? But at least you can say, I'm at home. At least you can say, I speak the language, I know not to go on this street at this hour because that's what they be doing over there. You know which bus connect to that but You know what I mean? All the shit that y'all take for granted. I know this church over there. I know how to go down there and ask for this. Like, y'all have the lay of the land. They don't have that. They don't have the language. They don't have the support. Uh, from what I'm seeing, they don't really even have the support of the Latino community that's already here. 
and established. Second generation, first generation, DACA, you know, permanent residents, naturalized. They don't have their support, not in, in an overwhelming way that I'm seeing. So these people are truly alone in a foreign place, fleeing from God only knows what horrendous things that they've experienced and seen. So let's have some grace. Let's be patient, but let's not give up on pressing the issue with our politicians, making it clear that we need better solutions, long-term solutions, and not being so emotional and reactionary that we allow the, the, the rhetoric of these politicians coming up in these elections to cloud the overall point of all of this, and that is to be human, to be human, to offer help to those in need, and to understand that we're all part of the human race, and that's it, that's all. And especially as Black folk, knowing what it feels like to be on the bottom, knowing what it feels like to be overlooked in a second thought, an afterthought, uh, being on the receiving end of the violence of policy and law, right? That we understand their plight in a way that probably nobody else really understands, okay? Um, you would expect that, you know, many recent arrived, um, you know, uh, immigra immigrants from other countries understand this and can empathize or sympathize with them and offer some help, but it doesn't look like it's happening. So I'm not saying it's our responsibility to empathize with them or to help them, but... If it's not in your nature or you don't feel called to extend the help, at least get out their way and don't vilify an entire group of people um, based on your preconceived notions or bigoted rhetoric that has come, you know, from all sides. Um, you cannot look at a person and tell that they're a migrant. You cannot listen to a person and tell that they're a migrant. OK, only way, you know, a person is a migrant is if you ask them or you have verifiable paperwork documenting their travel history, you know, a passport, a visa, a, an asylum application. Other than that, you don't know. You cannot look at someone's name and determine that they are Latino or what their immigration status is. Okay, so let's stop doing that first and foremost. Okay, uh, like you can't look at someone's name and tell what language they speak. You cannot look at someone's face and tell what language they speak. You cannot listen to the language they speak and determine what their nationality is. You cannot look at what language they speak and determine what their immigration status is. So let's just stop being ignorant. That's that's my first assignment for us black people. Extend some grace. Stop being ignorant and calm the fuck down because we've been through worse and we're going to make it out of this. And even if we picked up all the migrants and moved them somewhere else right now, we're still going to have huge problems in our community. So let's work with these people as much as we can when we can. Let's learn some Spanish, please. OK, because it's going to help so much. If you haven't gotten the memo, you need to learn some fucking Spanish. You're not going to make it. <laughs> You're not going to make it. It's just it's like God is like making it very clear that as, as black Americans, we probably should learn some Spanish that would help so much. 
in curbing some of this and making us feel more comfortable um, when we're around people that are speaking Spanish and we don't have to feel threatened or intimidated and think they're talking about us, think they're plotting against us and have this, you know, this, uh, you know, illogical fear of the unknown. You know, that's precisely what xenophobia is. Um, and then also, like, we just need to stay on our mayor, right? We voted for this guy, some of us, most of us. Um, and so we gotta, we gotta, he, he seemingly is just trying to like wade in the water and like kind of just, I don't know. I just don't feel like he's got the fire that we need right now. So we got to give it to him, you know? So write him, right? Talk to your alderman, call your alderman, make those. So instead of posting these videos going, oh, the migrants, they're trashing my neighborhood. Oh, they're stealing. Oh, they're doing this. There they are wandering and loitering. And instead of trying to vilify them on Instagram and TikTok or whatever in your neighborhood apps, take the time to make those concerns known to your alderman to your police district, you know, whatever you got to do to get a solution, not just add to the problem. Cause all you're doing is adding to the problem. You think you're letting someone know or making them aware, but you're just causing panic, undue panic. If you don't have all the facts, if you don't know ex exactly who started what, if you don't know uh, who these people are and haven't gotten to get to know any of them or know, you know, what is, what is causing their circumstances this is the same way that people are quick to judge black people. When you see a black person getting harassed by the police, a lot of us are assuming because we've bought into a lot of these tropes that, you know, if there was a black guy, he had a hoodie on, he had a hat on, he had his pants sagging, you know, he was a criminal, he was a gangbanger, you know, all of that. We can't do that to other people. I mean, you can clearly, but it's just, it's stupid. I'm just being frank. It's just very ignorant and it's telling of who you are as a person and how you've allowed your ego to be so fragile that you're ready to one up another marginalized community because, you know, you're so tired of being on the bottom. Now it's their turn. It's like, Grow up, okay? We got to be better than this. This country is built on bloodshed and violence and discrimination and hatred and treating people as subhuman, and we should not allow that to continue. If any group of people in America should be vehemently opposed to that, it should be us. And that's all I got to say about that. So que le vaya bien todo el mundo, toda a mis ciudadanos y los migrantes y todo de cualquier parte del, del mundo, cualquier lado. Uh, thank you to all of you, my Chicagoans, my fellow Chicago citizens, and everyone from beyond, um, and everyone alrededor, uh, everyone from beyond Chicago. Uh, thank you for tuning in. If you have not subscribed to my channel, please do. Uh, que suscrita al mi canal y uh, toca la campana, hit the bell so that you can get the notifications para las notificaciones, toca la campana, y que nos vemos, nos hablamos, y deja sus comentarios si tiene algo más de sí. Uh, algo que quiere corregir de este um, uh, uh, presentación uh, de este video uh, if you got anything to say or add or correct just leave it in the comments and I appreciate y'all for tuning in and just you know let's all just breathe let's all just breathe and learn some Spanish que aprenden español y que aprenden inglés para que podemos comunicar entre nuestras comunidades so that we can talk to each other in our communities let's learn each other's languages and enjoy each other's cultures because I mean that's where 
that's where it is, baby. It's like, that's where it's going to get real good, baby. So let's get into it, y'all. That's all I'm saying. Estamos unidos, no? Un día, un día. All right, y'all. <laughs> Take care. Bye.